Welcome to the very first episode of the My Sports Update football podcast. I am your host, Ari Mayrov. I am the man behind the My Sports Update Twitter page. Thank you for tuning in to the inaugural episode. Football season is officially back. We are in full force. Week one is in the books. Week two is coming up this week. It was so great to watch some real football once again. There is so much happening in the NFL world right now. There is a lot in store here for this first episode. So let's not waste any time. Let's get straight to it. There's three segments here for the first episode. We'll start off by looking at some of the latest news stories from around the league. And then we'll have five things that I'm looking forward to here in week two. And then some fantasy football talk because who doesn't love fantasy football, right? Pretty simple, straight to the point. Let's get started. Here we go. Let's start off with Sam Darnold and the New York Jets. Adam Gase announced on Thursday morning that Sam Darnold has mono and he won't play Monday night versus the Cleveland Browns and he could end up missing multiple weeks. So Trevor Simeon will be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. This news comes out of nowhere. It's a big blow for the Jets who are coming off a terrible home loss in week one versus the Buffalo Bills. But that's not the only news for the Jets. Le'Veon Bell, their star running back who they signed in the offseason, He has a shoulder injury and he had an MRI on Thursday, but luckily for him, everything came back clean. Their other big free agent acquisition, CJ Mosley, he has a groin injury. He left that game on Sunday early. Quincy Anunwa, their wide receiver who they gave an extension to at the end of last year, he is done for the year with a neck injury. Quinnen Williams, the number three overall pick in this past year's draft, he has an ankle injury. And he was in a walking boot after Sunday's game. And Demarius Thomas, the wide receiver that they acquired this week from the New England Patriots. He has a hamstring injury and won't practice until Saturday. So a handful of big names are banged up for the Jets. Sam Darnold being the most notable one. And to make matters worse, the Jets have a brutal schedule coming up. They have the Browns on Monday night, then they have the Patriots in New England for week three, they have their bye week four, but then they travel to Philadelphia for the Eagles in week five, and then they get the Cowboys in week six, and then the Patriots again in week seven. Talk about a tough schedule. All those teams were playoff teams last year from week three to week seven, so um, it is a tough schedule. They're missing their quarterback. For this week, most likely next week as well. They hope to have him back after the bye week in week 5. But for a Jets team that had so much hype entering the year, to lose the way they did in week 1, now they don't have their quarterback, their other big pieces are banged up, um, and with the schedule the way it is coming up here in the coming weeks, hopefully it doesn't get ugly, but... um, It's going to be tough for Adam Gase and the rest of the New York Jets. Let's shift now to Antonio Brown. I don't even know where to start with this one. By now, I would think all of you know what is going on with AB. I mean, there is wall-to-wall coverage on Antonio Brown on all these sports channels and on Twitter and on Instagram. You name it. 
it was there, it is there, it is still going on. Now, I want to go back a little bit and go back to when Antonio Brown was a Raider because there were a few things that were reported on Sunday, which was game day, and I feel like it might have gone unnoticed for most fans. So let's review what happened there. First off, Chris Mortensen of ESPN, Mort, he reported that Brown sought advice from social media consultants on how he could accelerate his way out of Oakland. So he wanted out of Oakland. Mort also added that the Patriots offered a first-round pick to Pittsburgh back in March for Antonio Brown, but the Steelers didn't want to trade him there, so they declined, and they ended up trading Antonio Brown to the Raiders for a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Jay Glazer on Fox, he reported that the Raiders quietly tried to trade Antonio Brown on Thursday, which is a full two days before they officially cut him. And Adam Schefter on ESPN, he reported that Antonio Brown skipped a scheduled meeting with John Gruden on Thursday. So that made matters even worse. And then the big one was Peter Schrager on Fox. He reported on what happened during Wednesday's practice. So we all know that Antonio Brown and Mike Mayock, they got into it. We all know that. We know that Antonio Brown was fined and he put the letter on Instagram. But here are some details on what happened during Wednesday's practice. So first, Antonio Brown, he catches a pass and he takes the ball and he punts it up in the air. Then he catches another ball and he takes the ball and he runs towards a garbage can and he puts the ball inside the garbage can. And then Antonio Brown caught another ball, and with that ball, Schrager explains that there is a fence which separates the Raiders facility to the airport. So Brown ran towards the airport tarmac, and he tried to throw the ball over the fence. After all that happened, the Raiders like, listen Antonio, calm down, go inside the building, there's a scheduled meeting coming up, be there. And you know what? Brown was there. He was there for the start. He sat down. He was in the meeting. And then all of a sudden in the middle, Brown gets up. People think he's going to the bathroom. And lo and behold, Brown did now return to the meeting. He was out of the facility. He was done for the day. The phone call which Antonio Brown had with John Gruden and posted on YouTube, that phone call took place on Thursday night. And then on Friday, Brown apologized to his teammates. John Gruden told reporters that Brown will play on Monday night. And then we all know what happened on Saturday when Brown said to cut me. The Raiders cut him. The Patriots signed him. And they gave him a $9 million signing bonus. And they didn't have to give up any draft compensation. Now, you'll think that is, that is it. Everything is fine. Antonio Brown is a Patriot. But no, there is more. And this story is far more serious than anything else that Antonio Brown has had. It is more serious than the feet, more serious than the helmet, more serious than his Instagram stories. On Tuesday night, the New York Times reported and they released a story that there has been a lawsuit filed by Antonio Brown's former trainer, Brittany Taylor in Florida, accusing Antonio Brown of some serious allegations. There are three separate incidents, two in 2017, one in 2018. Brown's legal team, they quickly denied all of it. Agent Drew Rosenhaus, he said that this is a money grab and Antonio will do anything and everything that he could 
to clear his name. It is a civil lawsuit. Um, the situation is still unfolding. Antonio Brown is with the Patriots. He practiced on Wednesday. He is practicing on Thursday. No criminal charges have been filed. The NFL has the power to put him on the commissioner's exempt list, which would make him ineligible to play. But again, this is a fluid situation. It is still unfolding as I speak into this microphone. Brittany Taylor is scheduled to talk to the NFL next week. So um, this is another story involving Antonio Brown. But this time around, it is not Mike Tomlin who has to deal with it. It is not John Gruden who has to deal with it. It is not Mike Mayock. This time it is Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots who will have to deal with this. And they're going to have to decide what are they going to do with Antonio Brown. Now the last thing I want to talk about here in the news segment is a story that happened on Friday. So it seems like it's old. But it didn't get the attention that I thought it would get. So I want to bring it up here on the podcast. It is the Tyreek Hill contract extension. Three years, $54 million, $35 million guaranteed. First off, it comes out to $18 million in new money. That ties him up with Odell Beckham Jr. as the third highest paid wide receiver in the NFL on an average annual basis. Now here's the thing with Tyreek Hill. We all know about Hill's history. It is disturbing. It is sickening. Many of us thought that Hill would never play in the NFL again when all this broke in March. We know about his three-year-old son who had a broken arm. We know that police were called to his home, not once but twice. We all heard the audio tape that was released on draft night and we got to hear what Tyreek Hill said to his fiance and the disturbing words that he had. We know that Hill wasn't charged and that Hill wasn't suspended or fined by the NFL because there wasn't enough evidence. And Hill, you know, this past offseason, that wasn't the only bad history that Hill has. He had a history from before he even got into the league. And I don't even want to get into that because it is so disturbing. So when the, when the Chiefs decided to give Hill this contract extension, they uniquely structured it with specific language so that it works for both sides. With all that being said, we know that Tyreek Hill is an electric player. We know that he is one of the best in the NFL at his position. But now with this extension, he's going to have to be on his best behavior. And not just on the field and in the locker room with his teammates, with his coaches, with the owner. But he's going to have to do it with the people that he prioritizes. His own child at his own home. And as I said before, the news that Hill got an extension, it didn't get that much attention. A, because it happened on a Friday. But B, because it happened... In the same hour as when the news was reported that Antonio Brown called Mike Mayock a cracker. So when that happened, the news cycle was being dominated by Antonio Brown. Tyreek Hill got his extension. He signed it. And the day went on with Antonio Brown. The other thing about Tyreek Hill is that he got hurt on Sunday versus the Jaguars. He has a shoulder injury, a collarbone injury. He does not need surgery. He did go to the hospital, but he is now expected to miss the next four to six weeks according to reports. Now, a few quick notes before I wrap up this segment. 
Aside from Tyreek Hill, there were four other major injuries that happened on Sunday. We have Nick Foles, broken collarbone, placed on injured reserve. He is out for the next eight weeks at the very least. Gardner Minshew is going to be the Jaguars quarterback moving forward. He was impressive in week one. Um, He's a sixth-round rookie out of Washington State. We want to see more of him and see if he is a legitimate quarterback who can help this Jaguars team get back to form. They also acquired Josh Dobbs um, from the Steelers for a fifth-round pick, so he will be the backup. The next injury he had was Hunter Henry from the Chargers. He is dealing with a knee injury. He missed most of last season with a torn ACL. This is now a separate knee injury. He is expected to miss four to six weeks. After that, we have the Raiders rookie safety, Jonathan Abram, the energetic and hard-hitting first-round safety. He is done for the year with a torn labrum. That one hurts for the Raiders. For NFL fans, he is a very exciting player who I was excited to watch, but now he is done for the year. And lastly, Darius Geis, he has a torn meniscus. He had surgery, and he is out indefinitely. Um, That is another blow for the Redskins who have been dealing with injuries not just this year but for many years now. They just can't catch a break. Darius Geis missed all of last year with a torn ACL and now another knee injury for him. Moving on to week two. But before I go to week two, I saw a lot of overreactions after week one. And some of them made me laugh. So let me say this. There were six teams in 2018 that made the playoffs but lost in week one of the regular season to start the 2018 year. So take a deep breath, relax, there are 15 more games left in the season. If your team lost, it is fine. If your fantasy player that you drafted early didn't do well, relax, it is fine. So let's go, here we go, week two. There are 10 games in the early window. On Sunday, just three in the late window, and then the Sunday night and Monday night game. We know about the Saints-Rams-NFC Championship game rematch. That is the game of the week. That will be a fun one. Eagles-Falcons, Sunday night football. The Falcons cannot afford to go to 0-2. That's just two games that we have coming up this week. There's a lot to talk about, but here are just five things that I'm looking forward to here in week two. Let me start off with Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. A disappointing start to the season last Thursday night. Couldn't get anything going. Had to play a very strong Packers defense. The Bears have had a long week. And I've been seeing this all over. That, oh my god, the Bears drafted and traded up for Mitchell Trubisky when Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were still on the board. Yes, that is true. That happened. They did. But here's the thing. This is a very talented Bears team. And the biggest question coming into the year was, will Mitchell Trubisky take the next step up? Last year with a new play caller, a new head coach in Mad Nagy, they were able to run a bunch of new formations, new things, some cute formations they were doing. But here we are. It is their second year together. Everything is on tape now. He is going to have to be more than a one-read quarterback. We saw on Thursday night, the Packers kept on taking away his first read, his first option. And after he looked away from his first option, he couldn't find anything else. And he struggled moving from progression to progression. And it won't get any easier this week when he has to face the Denver Broncos in Denver versus 
Vic Fangio, the former Bears defensive coordinator who knows Matt Nagy and Mitchell Trubisky from last year in their first and only season together in Chicago. Now, if there is one thing that the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky could be looking at a positive here, it is the fact that Trey Burden, their tight end who missed week one, he practiced on Wednesday. Matt Nagy said that he expects him to play on Sunday. And that is good news because we all know that a quarterback's best friend is his tight end. And that will be his safety valve on Sunday when they face the Denver Broncos defense. The second thing that I'll be watching here in week two is the Cleveland Browns on Monday Night Football. We all got to see what happened on Sunday versus Tennessee. It was a major disaster. It was their home opener. The fans were going wild before kickoff. And then you have that awful, awful performance in a blowout loss. A few things about that game. First of all, the Cleveland Browns, they were undisciplined. 18 penalties for 182 yards. They were 1 for 10 on third downs. They were in long and distance situations throughout the game. Their left tackle, Greg Robinson, he was ejected for kicking tight end safety Kenny Vaccaro. Their offensive line, it isn't what it once was. Baker Mayfield didn't have much time. And simply put, that won't cut it. It just won't. And I want to see how they deal with all the adversity. All week long, all the shows, the radio shows, TV shows, Twitter, whatever it is, people are asking, are the Browns for real? Um, is Baker Mayfield for real? His first year head coach, blah, blah, blah. We got to hear all of it. They're going to have a Monday night game now um, against the New York Jets. We brought up what happened to the Jets. They won't have Sam Darnold. They're missing some key pieces. Remember, the Vikings last year, they had all the hype in the world after signing Kirk Cousins and Sheldon Richardson. And they couldn't even make the playoffs. Manage expectations. Take it one game at a time. They're getting a break here in week two with Sam Darnold being out. Odell Beckham Jr., he is returning to MetLife Stadium um, as a member of the Cleveland Browns. He is facing the Jets, not the Giants. But he is returning to that stadium. Also in this game, Greg Williams, the Browns defensive coordinator slash interim head coach from last year. He is returning to face his former team, this time as the Jets defensive coordinator. So we'll see what he dials up on defense versus Baker Mayfield and that Browns offense. The next thing that I'll be watching for here in week two is this Arizona versus Baltimore game in the early window on Sunday. Two electric quarterbacks, two former Heisman Trophy winners. It's Lamar Jackson. It is Kyler Murray. The Ravens are coming off an enormous victory in Week 1 versus the Dolphins. The Cardinals had a tie versus the Lions. First off with Lamar Jackson, he was picture perfect on Sunday in Week 1 versus the Dolphins. We all got to see it. He surprised many people. 324 passing yards, 5 passing touchdowns, no interceptions, perfect passer rating. I think he only ran the ball three times, so he did the opposite of what everyone thought he'll do, and he was lights out. Mark Ingram, their new running back, over 100 yards rushing. Marquise Brown, the first-round wide receiver, over 140 yards receiving and two touchdowns, and he only played in 12 snaps, so he barely even got any action, but when he was on the field, he is an electric, electric player. 
Back to Lamar Jackson for a second though. He had five passing touchdowns in week one. He had six all of last year. So it's good to see him throwing the ball. Um, I get it. It is the Dolphins defense. They're not good. But then again, the Ravens don't determine who they play in week one. They just show up and they did their job. After the game, Lamar Jackson said, it's pretty good for a running back. He has heard all the criticism and he's letting the play do the talking. I want to see what he does this week against the Cardinals defense, which isn't great. It's probably better than Miami's defense, but um, they're missing Patrick Peterson and their second cornerback, Robert Alford. So um, another test for Lamar Jackson to prove all the haters wrong. I'm excited to see what he can do there in week two versus Arizona. As for Kyler Murray, he actually struggled in his first NFL career game in the first three quarters. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, after the game, he said that we were trying too hard. We were being too cute on offense, and we adjusted in the fourth quarter. And the adjustment worked because Kyler Murray had 152 passing yards in the fourth quarter and two passing touchdowns. He tied up the game, and he came close to winning it in overtime. I want to see how he does this week against a, a tough Baltimore defense on the road here in Week 2. A couple of other notes about this game. Michael Crabtree, the Cardinals wide receiver who signed late in training camp, he is expected to play after missing Week 1, this game against his former team. And then Terrell Suggs, who shocked many of us when he left the Ravens in free agency to join the Cardinals. He is returning to Baltimore for the first time since leaving. I'm sure that will be a very, very special moment. Up next, we have a kicker. Yes, a kicker. And not just any kicker. This is one of the greatest, if not the greatest kicker in the history of the NFL. I'm talking about the great Adam Vinatieri. So, here's the thing. Adam Vinatieri, he is 46 years old. He will be 47 in December. He's still kicking. Um, he's one of the better ones in the league. But what happened in week one was a bit, um, you know, not encouraging. Let's just say it like that. He missed a field goal from 29 yards out. He missed a field goal from 46 yards out. And then he also missed an extra point. That is seven points left off the board. Head coach Frank Reich, after the game, he said there's nothing to worry about. I hope he's right. But for a Colts team that doesn't have their starting quarterback in Andrew Luck, who retired all of a sudden, Jacoby Brissett is starting. He's a great quarterback. But this Colts team, they are going to be in a lot of close games this year, just like they were on Sunday with the Chargers in a game that went to overtime and they lost. They cannot afford to have their kicker missing kicks. It's simple as that. And it it's the greatest kicker that ever played the game. But if this continues, and I hope it doesn't, I do not want to see Adam Vinatieri away from the NFL. But if this continues, it is something that is worrisome. And it could eventually become a thing that Chris Ballard will be sitting at his desk. And he has a kicker who can make his kicks. He is old. And he just doesn't have it anymore. It is week one. It's just one game. But hopefully this isn't a problem for the Indianapolis Colts. We all want to see Adam Vinatieri continuing to kick in the NFL. Lastly, the fifth and final thing that I'll be watching for here in week two, and we are staying in the AFC South, it is the Houston Texans offensive line. First off, let me just say this. Deshaun Watson, this guy is a superstar. 
What a performance he put on Monday Night Football in the bright lights versus the Saints defense. It wasn't a loss, but what an impressive showing. That was awesome to see. It was incredible. So much fun. But there is one thing that is a problem, and it is the offensive line. Even with the addition of Laramie Tunsil, who they traded a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and another first-round pick to get, the offensive line was still a problem. In that game, Deshaun Watson went to the medical tent not once, but twice, and he was sacked six times, and he was on his back plenty more. Remember, Deshaun Watson last year, he had to take a 12-hour bus ride from Houston to Jacksonville just to get to a game versus the Jaguars and then he took a 12-hour bus ride back to Houston after the game because he was dealing with a lung injury and team doctors wouldn't let him take a flight to the game. So he's been dealing with injuries because of that offensive line for two, for two seasons now. His rookie year, he had the torn ACL. His second year, there was this lung thing and there were a bunch of other stuff that he was dealing with. The guy is on his back too much. Um, the offensive line needs to fix it up. Hopefully it becomes a little bit better and this does not become a repeat of what happened to Andrew Luck early in his career. And we all saw what happened to Luck a few weeks ago when he announced his retirement. And you know what? This week they have a tough defensive line to play against. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars, Yannick Ngakwe, Calais Campbell, Josh Allen. They're going to be rushing the passer. It is a very tough Jaguars defense. You really do not want to see Deshaun Watson taking that many hits, especially for a quarterback of his caliber. He is a superstar in this league. What he is doing with such a limited offensive line, it is incredible to see. Imagine if he actually had some time to do what he wants to do. How scary would he actually be if that was happening? So the Houston Texans offensive line, it is the fifth thing that I'm watching for here this week. They are 0-1 facing another team that is 0-1. You do not want to go 0-2. History shows that starting 0-2, it usually means that your playoff hopes down the line are not great. We've seen teams start 0-2 and make the playoffs, but history shows that starting 0-2 is not good for you down the line. It is a big game. Hopefully the offensive line does their job and Deshaun Watson can make his throws and not be on his back so much. For this last segment of the podcast, we're going to talk about some fantasy football. Everyone loves fantasy football. I once heard someone say the following. I don't remember who it was. But it goes like this. He said, football is America's number one and most popular sport. And fantasy football is second. And if you think about it, it's like it's like so true. Because when you watch football, you keep track of your fantasy football team at the same time. It just goes hand in hand. So for this segment, I have a few sleepers, six in total. Um, so here we go. So let's start off with a rookie. It is Cole Hardman of the Kansas City Chiefs. We discussed in the news segment how Tyreek Hill is injured and he's out for the next few weeks. So in comes Cole Hardman. He is going to play alongside Sammy Watkins with the league MVP, the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes. Remember, the Chiefs drafted Hardman in the second round because of Tyreek Hill's off-the-field issues. And they viewed him as a potential replacement for Tyreek Hill if Hill was going to get suspended. 
Now, Hill is injured. He is not suspended. But the point is, he's not playing. And we know that Mecole Hardman, he's really fast. He has decent hands. And he runs great routes. Um, he did not have a catch in week one. But he did play in 78% of the snaps. So he was getting action on the field. And now with Tyreek Hill out, someone has to step up. It's going to be Mecole Hardman. And he gets to play against the Oakland Raiders defense here in week two. A defense that was dead last last year in the NFL. And the rookie safety, Jonathan Abram, he is done for the year. So that is a big loss for that defense. Mecole Hardman is sleeper number one in this segment. Next up, we have another speedy rookie. It is Terry McLaurin from the Washington Redskins. The third round rookie out of Ohio State. He finished Sunday's game versus Philadelphia with 5 catches for 125 yards and 1 touchdown. He should have had another touchdown catch, another 50 plus yard touchdown grab, but Case Keenum overthrew him. He played in 93% of the snaps on Sunday and he figures to be a top option for Case Keenum this year. Keep in mind that the Redskins released former first round wide receiver Josh Doxson because of McLaurin's emergence. He does have a tough matchup this week versus Dallas, but the upside is there and he could be a hidden gem for your fantasy team down the line this year. Now, how about a quarterback? Let's talk about Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills quarterback. He gets to face against the atrocious Giants defense. They allowed Dak Prescott to throw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns to four different receivers, and he had a perfect passer rating. And we know that Josh Allen can run, but this year he could also pass because he actually has some good receivers on that team. Last week, it was John Brown who emerged with over 100 receiving yards. And the thing about Josh Allen is that he has sloppy games, but he still puts up numbers fantasy-wise. For example, last week, two fumble lost, um, two interceptions, and he still had 254 passing yards and a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown, and he put up numbers on fantasy. Pick him up, start him this week. He is a sleeper in fantasy leagues. Next one, we have a deep sleeper. It is Raheem Mostert, the 49ers running back. He had 9 carries for 40 yards last week against Tampa Bay. Jarek McKinnon, he is out for the year with a knee injury. But the other running back, Tevin Coleman, he has a high ankle sprain. He is out for a few weeks. So now it is Matt Breda and Raheem Mostert as the top two running backs for San Francisco. And Matt Breda, he had a bunch of injuries last year, which he, which he played through. But he does have an injury history. And if something happens with him, Mostert is the next man up. Before I started recording this, I want to check and how much percent of, le- of leagues in ESPN is Mostert owned. It is under 10%. So there's a good chance that he's available in your league. Pick him up. Put him on your bench. He could be someone who um, eventually breaks out. And then lastly, we have two tight ends. If they're available on your fantasy league, grab them now. If not, they're good for daily fantasy this week. It is TJ Hawkinson, the rookie tight end in Detroit, and Darren Waller, the Raiders tight end. Let's start off with Hawkinson. He has a lot of upside. 
The upside was in full display last Sunday versus Arizona. He put up 131 yards and a touchdown. He is the total package. That is why the Lions used the 8th overall pick to get him. And then Darren Waller, we got to see him in hard knocks. He had 7 catches for 70 yards on Monday Night Football versus Denver. Um, he is in Oakland replacing Jared Cook's production from last year. So he'll get the targets. He'll get the looks. Derek Carr did so on Monday Night Football. I am really high on both these guys. If you're playing Daily Fantasy, I love both of them this week. So there we have it. The first episode of the My Sports Update football podcast is in the books. Starting next week, we'll have a question and answer segment with a few of the listeners, so keep an eye out for that tweet and send in your questions. If you have any advice or any tips, feel free to private message me on Twitter or send over an email. The email is in the description. I was always told, the more you do it, the better you'll get. So the more we do this podcast, the better and better the podcast will be each and every week. One final reminder before I sign off, you can find the My Sports Update football podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I'm your host, Ari Mayerov. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy week two.